Welcome to Costly Conversations. So today we're going to have on a guest who is one of, I would say, one of the rising stars in the in the firearm space, a guy called Mike from Tactical Considerations. What does it kind of require to be a content creator, digital creator, YouTuber? There's, there's all sorts of different names for it. Um, what, are, what are some of the things that Mike wants to talk about that he really can't talk about on a gun channel? Like who, who is, who is Mike behind the scenes? Those are the things that I'm interested in and I'm hoping that you'll be interested as well. You do want to stick around till the end because we are going to be having our first ever, ever ammo giveaway sponsored by obsidiantactics.com. And, uh, definitely you want to be a part of that. All you have to do is the, the easy thing is just follow the instructions. It's super simple, but, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Welcome to Costly Conversations. Mike, tactical considerations, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, dude. So I have a whole list of things I want to ask just because me being a, a younger YouTuber in the game, you know, with the Armed Atlas channel and even this channel, you know, I have a lot of questions, mainly for me, and I'm hoping other people can enjoy it as well. But I do want people to, if, if maybe they haven't heard of you before, or maybe they've watched your stuff and they enjoy you. Um, maybe they haven't seen you on any other podcast and they want to know a little bit about your backstory. Can you take like two uh, minutes and just tell us how you got into it? Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I got into doing YouTube stuff. Basically somebody dared me, right. That I couldn't produce content better than something I was watching. And I was like, well, it may take me time to learn, but I'll do it. So it was literally a dare by one of my ex-military buddies that I'll leave nameless. Um, so that's it. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> I never saw myself doing YouTube videos or anything like that because I'm just not an artistic person. Like I didn't know how to use a camera. I didn't know audio editing. Uh, 100% had to watch a ton of other great YouTube content creators that taught camera and editing and all that to learn how to do it all. Yeah. You know, that's, that's interesting that you say that because if anyone ever meets you in person and I'll say this, and this is not a dig, this is just my observation. A lot of guys you meet in the gun space, they're like four foot two. They're like real little. Mm. And when they meet you, you're just like towering above me. What are you like six, three or something like that? Yeah. I'm like six, four. <laughs> yeah. See, exactly. Just like built like a tank and you don't look like the prototypical gun tuber. You're not, you know, you don't have the frame of Lucas Botkin. Um, and really, you just you look like an ex-Marine or something like that or whatever, um, not to spend too much time talking about your physique. That said, when um, when people meet you, it's like if someone were to guess what you do, you know, someone would be like, oh, yeah, he's probably in the military. He's probably a cop or something like that. So kind of seeing that, oh, this guy's on YouTube. It, it almost doesn't quite make sense. Like he's a YouTuber. He's a, you know videographer he's an editor he's all these different things because that's what youtubers are but what are i want to know what are some of the skills that you picked up outside of youtube that you feel like translate into uh being a gun tuber because that's that's what you focus on is firearms yeah um so i i joined the army at 18 
Um, I was lucky enough that I got picked up at a basic training and got to try out for special operations. So I served my entire military service in the second range of battalion up in Fort Lewis, Washington, um, which was an amazing experience. Um, when I got out, I finished up college and, uh, thought I wanted to be, you know, a business banker or make all kinds of money and drive BMWs and have fun, uh, which was great for about, I don't know, the three years that I was in college. And then right when I graduated, um, I was either going to go back in or I was going to go, um, into law enforcement and, based on something that happened in my personal life, I decided to stay home and go into law enforcement. And I've been a police officer for 17 years. Nice. Okay. So you did, did the, did the time in the military and the, and serving as a, you know, a longtime police officer or law enforcement, do you feel like that gives you some sort of edge or, or kind of gives you knowledge about guns? I, I know a lot of cops don't really shoot a lot of guns. So like, yeah. can we be clear about that? But do you, yeah. Is there anything about those career paths that kind of gives you an edge on like, okay, this is what I, I want to see. This is what I think is considered excellent YouTube slash content creation. Yeah. So for me, when I look at creating something for YouTube and based off of my experiences in life, one, you know, being, being in the military and special operations unit, you have like literally unlimited budgets for the most part. Um, and then being in law enforcement, you have limited budgets and then just being average citizen out there that lo loves to have guns you're on whatever your budget is so when i look at things i look at them from very different perspectives i look at them from a perspective of what would i actually use this thing for um is this something that's like completely civilian concealed carry capable competition capable but maybe not a like a law enforcement duty item or is this an item that is legit you know a $3,500 night force scope that some sniper in the military is going to use that needs that ultimate durability, that ultimate reliability, but they don't have to pay for it. So obviously it's, it's nice that they get to have it. So I look at things from those perspectives and having done, you know, the military law enforcement and just, I'm just an average dude, right? Like that gives me a little bit more perspective. Um, but you're right. Like most cops, even a lot of military people, don't know anything about guns. They, they, they're issued a gun and they, some of them can shoot those well, some of them can't. Um, but it's a job. So most of them don't get into the nitty gritty of the weapon itself, unless you're like, you know, uh, one of the 18 series, you know, weapon sergeants in SF or, you know, some specialized unit that needs to know all these foreign weapons or different things like that. But average military dude, average cops don't know a ton about guns. I just really, am interested in the inner workings and the mechanics and why things work better for certain people because fitting something to somebody like a handgun can be extremely important for performance and you know the the end accuracy and usability of that weapon system so that's kind of how i kind of go up about things because i've bought all the wrong stuff i bought the expensive stuff or things that i didn't need that i thought i needed and i wasted my money over the years and i just try to help people not waste theirs because money don't grow on trees right no, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because like what, what you're saying resonates, resonates with me. Cause I think in the, in firearms culture and two way culture and, you know, instructor culture, there's this idea like, Hey, listen, if you're going to buy a gun, you need to buy literally the most reliable, most performance, you know, uh, um, driven weapon, and, you know, if you hang around enough like competition shooters, they're going to start recommending competition guns, right? 
And then yeah. it's like, okay, so it's a race to the bottom of your wallet on what you need to buy in order to, I guess, either look cool. Cause I mean, that is what's important on the internet is looking cool, but also, well, this is literally something that you could run over with a tank and it would still work. And maybe that's not the best use for most people's money. I'm not going to say yes or no, but it sounds like that's your philosophy when it comes to reviewing guns. A hundred percent. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love things that are bulletproof, you know, zombies are coming on the world to the end. You know, I need my, and I've got those, I've got a couple of those items as well, For sure. but for the average person, and, and I never say just as good, right? Because that kind of thing, it's all tropey. Well, mine's just as good, but there is something as good enough for your purpose. Um, I remember when all I could afford was a Ruger 1022 mm-hmm. and a used Smith and Wesson SDVE 40 that I, I paid a couple hundred bucks for. That was a, a law enforcement trade-in, and that's all I could afford. I had that was that tapped me out, right? But I needed a rifle, right? A small little 22 that I could shoot a little bit longer for, maybe you know do some little farm accuracy hunting or something for gophers, oh, and sure. then I needed a pistol to carry around. Um, so I've been on the end of the spectrum and I'm on the end now where I've been smart with my money and I could go buy a, I could buy a staccato every month if I wanted one, but that's just, I mean, it would be stupid, but, um, there's good enough for a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need to outfit every pistol I have with an RMR. Hall's going to do me just fine on most of them, right? So that's something I take into account too, because having been in a position where, Money has literally been like, am I paying rent or am I buying food? Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I've been there. And I, I would say a lot of us are there right now because of the yeah. way the economy has been going with the way inflation has just been going insane. Like we went to, yeah. you know, a, a Whole Foods place the other day and bought a few groceries and it was like, dang, that's a hundred bucks. Like we didn't get anything. We got like 10 items. <laughs> What's going on? Problem was it was a Whole Foods, man. <laughs> right, you know that's that's my that's my first problem, right? Trying to eat right, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's this is where we are today, and it's like okay, so we there's this conversation that goes around. It's like okay, well, what's the the the, the budget gun? If you had to pick like a Sky or like a High Point or name another gun that's kind of really entry level, like one of the early Taurus Gs, like the G2C or whatever. And if you had to pick one, like what would you get? And I'm I'm actually curious to know your thoughts on on that one. But the the idea is like, man, some people are actually out here really struggling. And to say like, if you don't have an acro on your gun, an aim point acro P2 or something like that, which is way too expensive then you basically have an inadequate setup. That's, that's not really going to jive with a lot of people. And I think that might even scare them out of the firearm space. What do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And here's the weird thing about the second amendment community or the military community or all this thing that's molded into what we do. It is probably one of the most welcoming communities you'll ever go into. Like when we met at the GunCon event, me, you, and Jonathan from Tactical Toolbox ended up in the rental car eating lunch together inside the car to get out. It's some AC, right? Right. Um, Great time. And you'll meet amazing people, whether it's at the range or anywhere else. But at the same time, we love to savagely meme each other and mm. pigeonhole people based on what they have on their system or whatever it is. And and I get it. I mean, I've got 
some cheap stuff in the safe too. And then I've got some expensive stuff, but it's a big turnoff. It, it is. And I just want to see people have the best they can afford. That's reliable. And that's kind of what I, you know, tell people, Hey, maybe you, maybe you've got to deal with a, you know, $199 red dot on that pistol rather than a $600 RMR, you know, and that's okay. If it works for your purpose and it's holding zero, then you're good. Right. And I think that that is the question. And I've been really excited because, you know, um, Gideon Optics, we saw them at GunCon. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm really interested to really like put that on another budget gun and, you know, drop it once or twice. Nothing crazy. Yeah. We're not like dropping it directly on the optic like uh, old Aaron Cowan. But Aaron Cowan. just kind of see if it if it holds up. If I can say like, hey, you know, I've I've tried this. I put 500 rounds through it. I've dropped it once or twice. Yeah. It works or it doesn't work. Don't spend your money on this. This will get you killed. Like this will actually get you killed. Not the that'll get you killed yeah. thing that gun guys like to do. Yeah, yeah. And there's here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand too is um, I've been in the game long enough that I've I know a lot of these manufacturers. So unless it's a uh, something that's going to be either considered with very compliant deals with uniforms having to be made in the U.S., but say like a contract item for the military where it has to be U.S. sourced or made. Um, most of these optics are coming out of the same like five or six factories in Guangzhou province or whatever it is mm -hmm. in China, and they're just built to a very different standard. And I actually had one of the companies, I was able to get hold of one of their engineers, and I had him do a 3D rendering of the actual carriage in a red dot to show how they're made differently to be a little bit more durable if they get dropped. But when people talk about drop testing, like I love to see those videos too. I've done them. And then my next question is how many times have you dropped your pistol? Right. I'm not sure I've ever actually dropped a gun like ever outside. I've of carried, just a, I've a, carried a gun. Yeah. So I've carried a gun almost my entire adult life for a living. Right. Once I dropped my pistol once on accident, I've had other people like knock them off tables, things like that. So I get mm -hmm. that it happens. Um, but out on the range, there was one time where there was a part failure and that gun went and I was like, well, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, holster failure issue. Um, and other than that, you know, I don't see a whole lot of people dropping their guns unless it's on purpose for a video. So I love the durability, but again, like, you know, are, are what we testing things for a realistic purpose, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely uh, right. And to kind of to go back to that earlier question, if you had to buy, if you, if all your money disappeared tomorrow and all your guns were removed from you and you had to buy the cheapest gun possible because it's either you, you buy the cheapest gun possible or you spend five extra bucks and now you can't eat for a week or some something crazy, you know, if, if that or that, you know, those crazy questions. Um, what would what would you just go ahead and pick up just to kind of hold you over if you were in that situation? What was the what was the budget? Uh, let's say under three hundred dollars because that's isn't that the baseline that a lot of guys like to stick at, right? Yeah. So, um, I've seen and tested a lot of guns in that price range, um, from high points, Taurus, um, a lot of the guns that we call evidence locker guns because. Mm -hmm they're going to end up in an evidence locker one day on a homicide scene. And what I'll tell you right now is I've seen a lot of high points and I've seen a lot of, um, cheaper guns, skies, um, you know, things, Keltex in that 
price category do their job out there in the real world. Now, is it a combat gun? Absolutely not. Um, if you don't take care of it, it's going to fail a lot faster than most others. But in the testing that I've done with a couple thousand rounds, if I had to choose the most budget-friendly pistol that I'm like okay with carrying, it would probably be a Taurus G3X or a G3C um, because I've had, I think, four or five of the G3 series now. And I've got a couple thousand rounds between the compact, the full size, the tactical, and the X model to feel comfortable that if I had $257 for one, that I could go buy that and carry it as long as I proof it on the range, right? The caveat is you have to take it out, proof it, make sure it runs, make sure it runs on your carry or duty ammo, and then make sure you clean it, lube it, take care of it, all those things. And that's, that's really what it is because... I've seen broken guns right out of the box from Glock, from Smith, um, whatever other manufacturer. Things happen. They're mechanical devices, right? Anything mechanical could fail. I don't care how good it is, how perfection it is. Things happen in a manufacturing process. That has to do with quality control, which is where some of those cheaper brands, the quality control comes way down. And that's where you end up with, you know, you might get a lemon. Right. You know, you, that's up to you as the end buyer to proof that item. Right. And a lot of guys really hate the idea of having to do that. They think, oh, man, if, uh, you know, if you have to break in a gun or, or run 100 rounds through it before you're confident, then it's a, it's a bad gun. I don't want it. Give me a Glock that you literally just put a couple rounds in it and send it out to the streets and you'll be, you know, it'll run 100% out of 100%. And you just said that you've encountered guns from reputable you know, brands like Glocksmith, yeah. uh, not saying one or the other, but that weren't what they should have been. And they are the brands that, you know, get military contracts, are on the sides of guys out there riding around in patrol cars. And yet you can you can get lemons. Like the manufacturing process isn't perfect. Yeah. It's not like some of these boutique brands where they literally go hands-on and make sure everything runs and then um, do a quick test on it before they send it to you. They just can't. Yeah, not only that, but a lot of people forget, you know, they're more than happy to go out and spend $100,000 on a Ford F-350 and do the maintenance on that. But it's the same thing with any mechanical device. You need to inspect it and do maintenance on it. Um, you know, the one Glock specifically, that it was an enigma, right? You don't hear of Glocks failing out of the box much, but you don't, the connector but... was broken right at the fold and the gun, there was no trigger. It was dead. We were like wow. literally calling everybody like, hey, have you ever seen this before? You know, that's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that is nuts. I've never I've seen Glocks have really weird failures. And a lot of the times it's aftermarket parts. Somebody put it in a new barrel and it just blew up yeah. on them, mainly because it's well, got bad ammo and stuff like that. But Gen 4s had a lot of problems when they came out. People mm -hmm. are quick to forget that. But I think Mr. Guns and Gear and some other people did some videos. There were a lot of problems in the initial launch of Gen 4. Um, yeah. I don't think that the new 380 one that he got or whatever wasn't running either. Um, so yeah. it, it happens, you know? Yeah, it definitely does. And like you said, it's a mechanical device. Here's the thing. Toyota comes out with a new car, you know, every year there's a new version of the old cars and they come out with the brand new versions yeah. and everybody knows that, well, they should know that you can have critical failures. Like your brakes don't work. No reason. They just don't work. <laughs> so definitely, uh, if there's anybody listening, I would say just please test your gun. If there's a gun that you have that you've never run, but you have it, put some rounds through it. <laughs> Make sure it works. Oh, absolutely. 
I would never carry a pistol. I don't care what the brand name is or their reputation without personally proofing it. Right. Because you never know. You, you yeah. just never know. Um, I actually do have some questions here that I, I did want to make sure um, that we ask you. One is talking about um, what do you consider when you, when you or let, let's skip to this question. What are some misconceptions that your audience has or the general like gun people audience when when you're making content about guns or anything really but what are some misconceptions that they have about i guess what goes into your content um i guess like you know there's there's always misconceptions about that you get everything for free <laughs> trust me you don't uh -huh. um <laughs> there are some guys maybe that get everything for free um and the misconception is i think on a lot of people um you know, there's that word shell that people love to throw out. Um, mm. And I'm like, yeah, there, I can't deny it. There are people out there that, you know, charge for every video they do um, in most of the bigger YouTube channels. And I'm not talking to a specifically, but you think these guys like Peter McKinnon and all these dudes are doing, you know, $5,000 production, $10,000 production value videos. And they're doing that out of the goodness of their own heart. Like, no, it's a, it's a business. It, and if you don't treat it like a business, I mean, I have, you know, thirty or forty thousand dollars worth of camera gear and lighting and machines and editing computers, and you have to find a way to monetize that. And I do that do that through either sponsors on the channel or um, affiliate marketing on the back end. And some other guys choose that up front, and that's it's okay. It's we're a capitalist society. As long as you're honest with your audience, that doesn't matter. Um, so I think those are two huge misconceptions. Um, probably the, the other biggest one that I would see is, uh, um, that everything that, that everything that we get is handpicked when somebody sends us something, um, that's, that's could be true, could not be true. Um, I know I've helped a couple companies with, uh, some R and D stuff and that's kind of like a non-disclosure agreement and they sent me something and. And let me tell you, that was not handpicked. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then it's like, hey, this is what you need to fix. And then they ultimately did those instituted some changes. But um, that's the other thing, too. So we get guns generally for me, they're right off the shelf. So it's, you know, it's it's going to work or it's going to not. And that just kind of goes on camera like the bull armament or bull armory video I, I uh, released today. There's all kinds of range flubs in there and a the one malfunction that I did have was completely caught on camera and stuff like that. So um, I think those are probably the biggest three things when it comes to my mind. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think the there's a misconception that a lot of guys have just kind of scouring the Internet and seeing other guys do work in the comment section just in general. Like I'm a big comment reader. Like I read all my comments for now until it just gets to a point yeah. where I just can't. And I, I respond love, to every comment. That's awesome. So one um, one thing that I've I've seen is like, man, uh, especially from other guys in like the training community, they're like, man, you guys need to show your hits, and you know, uh, basically, there's this almost this idea that people are intentionally not showing their worst moments. And yeah. actually, a recent video, you actually showed where you completely just goofed a reload just like completely missed the gun. And I was like, dang, he really put that in there. Good for him. I'm glad there's some realism because as much as you put 
probably a billion rounds downrange at this point. You can mess up, especially on new guns. Like what? What, yeah. what was it? The it was a Beretta. What, what, what were you yeah. running in that video? Well, it was probably the Beretta, but that's in the Bull Armory video today too. And that's mm -hmm. anytime you change a pistol, a weapon system, a sighting system, you have to train with it. And um, you know, I, I love that, and I actually address that show your hits thing. So within the Bull Armory video I released this morning. People are always like, oh, show your hits. Anybody can shoot fast, which I say, first of all, no, not everybody can shoot fast. So what I did in that video was I took a SIG P320X5 that had no sights on it at all, no iron sights, no optic. And I walked back to 100 yards and I shot a 12 by 18 steel plate from 100 yards with no sights, just bing, you know, um, to show kind of because I've been getting a lot of those comments like show your hits. And I show them from time to time, but do you want to stare at a paper target or do you want to stare at the item? And not only that, but I can stand there and put holes in a piece of cardboard and then show it to you afterwards. And hey, look how tight my group is, you know. Um, so I get I get that too, and I just kind of I kind of laugh at it like, hey man, you can go watch videos of me running the bare standards drill, which is you know eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper, four by six box, three inch circle, four by six box, and I ran that sub six seconds clean with five five empty gun reload three in the center circle so you know I, i'm not there to prove anything but occasionally i'll throw something like that in the video but i love throwing the range flubs in the video yeah because it just makes me laugh and it's that's how you improve you try to go as fast as possible and then you back off yeah um i was just talking with another guy that i'm not sure if you have a relationship with um the humble marksman he's out he's out of here in dallas oh yeah as, yeah as well um he's actually I got to give him a big shout out because he invited me to my first uh, industry event and gave me a ton yeah. of tips. And literally the other day, he just sent me a video on trying to how I can improve a thing or two or three here and there. And I'm just like, man, I love just how generous you guys have been in the two way space. Really, just if I need anything, I don't feel like, man, I can't ask because, you know, it'll be too much. Yeah. You know, I, I don't ask for just everything. I don't, I'm not asking like, hey, man, could you send me your gun? Like, that's silly. Like, don't do that. But... <laughs> Um, you guys, are, you guys have been awesome and he has been especially cool for making sure that I could get my foot in the door. Cause it's, it's yeah. kind of a, kind of a really tight circle of guys who are making content who get recognized and there's some guys who can get it in. It is but, until it yeah. isn't right. Right. So it, it took me probably two and a half, three years. And then because one, you got to put some time in so people actually know who you are because there's so many of us out there. Right. Uh, like the humble marksman, I mean, that dude's no joke. Like he's a, I think he's a master, a, a national or master or grandmaster. So he's, I think he's, he's no national, joke with a two-time national yeah. master. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the first he's guy that I ever went out and tried to completely cover up my sights from 25 yards with tape, completely occlude them. And then you're shooting basically instinctively and still getting hits on, you know, eight inch steel plates running racks. And I watched one of his videos and I've talked to him many times since me and Dave talk and uh, I was like, you know, that was the video that kind of changed a little bit of how I shoot based on that understanding of how your eye can focus over the slide. And that's when I went out and did that hundred yard pistol shot with no sights at all. Man, that's, <laughs> you said a hundred rounds with no sights. That's insane. hundred yards with no sights. Yeah. hundred yards with no sights. And it's documented. So the, the, I had a camera guy there that was panning around me. There was, there was no possible way of cheating on that. Um, you know, there there have been there have been some guys. I'm not going to say who, who have who have made some shots that are at 100 yards and the steel hits way too quick. Like yeah, you can hear ding, the sound. Bang ding. Right. Like, yeah. 
bro, there is a delay. Like you know that, right? Like it does. It's not a laser beam. Yeah. Okay, yeah. buddy. Come on, man. Come on, man. You know better. But, man, let's let let me um get back to some of these questions. Um, somebody was actually literally just asked, uh, how much do you spend on ammo on a monthly basis? Can you share that? Ah. Uh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm actually very lucky. So True Shot does sponsor a lot of the ammo here on the channel. Um, so it really depends on the month. So I'm in we're in fire season out here in Arizona. It's like 118 degrees. So most of the shooting desert is closed down. So you have to go either to a private range or private property that you're allowed to shoot on. Um, budget wise, um, and let, let me preface this with um this is for testing purposes and a lot of things like that so this is not what you should strive to go out and shoot um if you can't go to the range and accomplish what you need to accomplish in a couple boxes of ammo you're probably doing it wrong so not just you know banging the trigger and doing whatever purpose-driven performance-driven training is what you should live for uh, that being said generally i will run through anywhere from in the wintertime when I'm going to the range every single week, sometimes twice a week, anywhere from 3,000 to 8,000 rounds. And there's a big variance there because am I testing a new gun or am I just testing some optics? Um, and depending on whether it's pistol, rifle, you know, 6.5 Creedmoor stuff or, you know, more expensive stuff, the price could be anywhere from maybe spend $1,000 a month or maybe spend $1,800 a month, depending on what ammo is coming in. Um, and again, that varies based on you know, ammo sponsors or something like that coming in as well. But uh, that is that is merely because I'm producing YouTube videos. I would never, as much as I would love to, to shoot all day, every day, I couldn't afford that. So that's not a normal or a number to try and reach for a goal. That's merely because of what I do on YouTube. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not at yeah. that point yet where I'm dropping a thousand bucks a month, but I, I did just stock up on, when I say stock up, get some two, two, three to dump through more rifles. And it's like, geez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I try to, on almost every gun that I run, I try to do a minimum. Uh, I, I used to call it well over 1000 rounds. And then I would do a second follow-up video. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some where I've got three, four, five or 6,000 rounds through them. Like some of my blackout defense guns now, because they're my nice. main squeezes. So, you know, I shoot for the channel and then I personally shoot for my own personal training as well. And sometimes how do you, I how do you find time two. to do both where do you find yourself like, okay, well, we got that footage down out the way. Let's go ahead and put some more rounds down range. hundred percent. So at the end of pretty much every rain session I do for YouTube, I'll pick a drill or something like dot torture or the bear standard, or I'll just do some, some walking and shooting, some moving and shooting, some magazine exchanges and then dry fire. You know, that's obviously the cheapest way to train. And if you talk yeah. to competitive shooters like humble marksman, he'll tell you most, most really high level competitors are going to tell you it all happens at home with dry fire. Man, I was, um, somehow I find myself, um, complimenting guys physique, like more than I should. Is, is there a sign? Is this, a, is this a thing <laughs> I'm playing? I love my wife. Um, <laughs> and I was like, dang bro, like your forearms are just like, ripped out of your mind. Like, how, how are you doing this, bro? Like he's not, he's not 20 anymore. Right. And he was like, yeah, that's that's an hour a day of dry fire for like years. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. you're right. That That is a workout. And those guns are not light. Like he's got his, you know, full size. Uh, was it uh, Bull Armory? What, what does he what does Yeah, he he's running it? like the top. Yeah, I forget which competition. Some he's running some like CZs and stuff too. Yeah, I mean, he's running some big old guns. So if you're 
actually practicing and actually training and getting to the point where you can go as fast as he does and like literally just swing that thing around, like you're gonna you're gonna yeah. get you're gonna get a little bit more fit than you were last week. You know what I mean? So yeah, they, he wears they, those short shorts too. I mean, you have to. He's got the what? What does he call it? Big dad energy. <laughs> big yeah, big dad energy. BDE, big dad energy. <laughs> oh man, he's 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 a trip, man. Yeah. So, question. Um, and this is this is maybe an introspective question, and I hope you will answer it honestly. I think the temptation is to when you when you get some sort of question like this, it's like, hey, what's one of your weaknesses? Well, you know, I care too much something stupid like that don't do that yeah, yeah um who is mike outside of youtube um well that's a very different question than the one you just posed <laughs> uh you know like i said i've been a law enforcement guy i've been a military guy um wife you know i got family after like everybody else but honestly um you know People have a view sometimes because of some things I do on YouTube or the jobs I've done that I'm this like big, aggressive, angry kind of dude, but I'm probably one of the most chill people that you'll ever meet. I love to just, uh, you know, meet new people and like learn about new people, um, traveling, I uh, love to travel, especially overseas. Uh, one of my biggest, uh, goals is to do like a South American pyramid tour, but on foot, there's like a backpacking thing you can do there. Cause I've traveled my whole life. Um, not only in the military, but outside the military, we're Southeast Asia over in the Middle East. And, you know, that's my big hobby. Um, outside of, outside of guns, I'm a car guy, you know, I'm a gearhead, hot rods, old school cars, anything with four wheels and loud noises, uh, don't ride motorcycles anymore. Uh, too dangerous, <laughs> but, uh, that's, I mean, that's in, in a nutshell, I guess that's really kind of who I am. Unless you want the whole long walks on the beach kind of speech, you know? No, you don't. You don't have to, uh, you know, get in, get in, get that deep with me. But I definitely can appreciate you wanting to travel and get outside the country a little bit and do some things. Because a lot of guys, when you ask them like, "Hey, where have you been?" Unless until they get into the industry, they they've literally never left their hometown. Um, I know a lot of people who have never left uh, like a fifty mile radius, and it's like, "Damn, yeah. that's crazy." But you you get out of the country and you can have a better appreciation for what you have back home or the country that you live in, or maybe the country that you go to, you have a great appreciation for that. Like, oh, I went to, I think you guys went to Israel recently. Am I right? Uh, I was not in Israel. No. Okay, um, no. Where, where yeah, I haven't been, I haven't been to Israel. Um, I've been all over that side of the world everywhere. We went, we were just recently in Cabo. Okay. Yeah. It was uh, Cabo San Lucas, but completely different place. <laughs> <laughs> it's only, it's only 7,000 miles in the wrong direction. Um, but no, we, and I leave, I try to, we try to leave the country a minimum once a year, me and my wife. Yeah. That's um, awesome. And that I, is... me, because I'm huge into like culture, like I want to see the ancient cultures and I want to see all the little different things and the pyramids. And then, you know, all those, all those crazy things. I love going to see that and learning about, you know, thousand year old, 2000 year old, 5,000 year old societies, because it's just something that always stuck with me, you know, history for some reason. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I've been, I've been noticing re recently that a lot of like modern architecture kind of sucks. And if you like look at national geographic, you're like, dang, wow. Like these South American pyramids are really cool looking. Like that is, that is cool. Like yeah. you go to certain places like um, in Europe and you're like, man, some of this like 
gothic architecture is just like yeah that is really cool and you, you know you go to the middle east and there's some structures and designs that are just mind-blowing and a lot of the modern stuff just kind of sucks which is weird and i i never thought i'd find myself saying that but i just kind of paid attention for two minutes and i was like yeah do you have you traveled anywhere where you're just like wow their modern stuff is just top shelf like this is really like cutting edge architecture they're doing things that i wish we could do in my hometown um you know one of the coolest places i ever was was a uh got to hang out for a while in singapore mm -hmm. um which is like you know very modern um and there's a lot of really cool stuff over there because you you kind of see the merging of two completely different societies. Mm -hmm. Like it was British occupied and then they left in like, I think the late sixties or early seventies might've been like 69 or 72 something. And then you have kind of an ancient culture from all over Southeast Asia in Singapore. Then you have this like massive skyscrapers and structures and you have some old elements and some new elements of society. And that stuff's really cool. And then, uh, up into Canada as well. Um, you know, we, since we were in Fort Lewis, we used to go to Canada all the time and there's a lot of really cool architecture up there. Very kind of European influence, obviously. Um, whereas, you know, Arizona, everything here is chicken wire, stucco and plain Jane. So, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see different stuff, but those are probably the two places where I saw some of the coolest stuff. Yeah. You know, somebody in the comment section just said, because for the podcast listeners, this is a live show and you should jump over and join us live from time to time. I think you'll enjoy it. But somebody was just uh, saying that the United States is a young country walking the streets and being somewhere where the buildings are about yeah. 600 years old is is a trip. And I'll be like, yeah, that's that's true. Even where I grew up, they had a lot of um, Dutch architecture, where which is completely different. Like it's not normal when you when you go here and you like go to new york and like oh skyscrapers and you go to you know downtown anywhere i was like okay yeah it's a regular building and even some like i guess less taken care of areas it's just like uh, a regular building with plaster and maybe there's yeah. brick brick is like the coolest thing we can get um so i think when you go places like i guess like seattle or or you know dc and you're like dang wow they really put a lot of effort into kind of building these structures I, I, I'm learning to value that a little bit more. So I pr really appreciate you sharing your, your, your passion and traveling and kind of some of your observations there. So if you had to stop making gun videos today, what would you do instead? Um, well, I'm not a full-time YouTuber, right? So I, I still have a day job, but if I didn't, I'd probably spend a lot more time building, building my hot rods. <laughs> because <laughs> that's that's kind of what suffers right now um but if if i had to stop making youtube videos i wouldn't go out and try to find another job or part-time gig to occupy my time i would probably just recoup that time and put it into another hobby you know and it would probably 100 percent be cars or maybe uh uh i don't know the only other thing i've wanted to go back and do is i want to kind of actually go back to college even though i have a degree already and just take some uh, some more classes, but it really has to do with you know graphic design and Photoshop and photography and stuff, which would help the channel. But now that I'm doing this, it's very interesting to me, and I want to learn more about that. So that would be something I'd probably do as well. I actually I can second that. I'm not a, a university kind of guy. Like I really don't enjoy 
sitting in a classroom or having a deadline to work on something that's not like self-imposed. I'm just yeah. not like that. But the idea of like, okay, well, how can I get better at this? Oh, maybe I should pay for this guy's course, but then you never really know. Like, is how vetted is it? Or is it, you know, $100 yeah. just money pit, right? Or you could go to something like Full Sail and take a cinematography course or, you know, oh, if I could get on like a movie set and really kind of see how they're doing things, I feel like that would be just the coolest thing. Like, not because yeah. I really want to be part of like Hollywood or anything like that. Like, this is this is where I want to be. But learning some of the, I guess, the skills that goes into like big production, like, hey, there's like three guys working one camera because it's required. Yeah. Like that, that would be kind of cool. I don't know if you're, if you're passionate about the filmography uh, or videography, cinematography side of YouTube, but it sure is interesting. To say the yeah, least. it is. It quite frankly astonishes me the talent that some of these people have in the way that they can see things because I'm very knuckle dragging rocket, nuts and bolts kind of guy. And I have friends that are the opposite and they can see something and do a couple of different little things with a camera. And then they make this amazing thing out of it. And I'm like, how did you get that? That's like when I work with administrative results, yeah. I filmed a couple of videos with him recently and we'll go out and we'll film. And it's amazing. I love working with him and everybody else that's in that crew. It's just a ton of fun. And then when I see the final product, I'm like, how did you get that out of what we did? Right. That, um, yeah, yeah, I just saw, for those of you who haven't seen it, y'all should go watch, um, Mike's cameo in one of the more recent administrative results video. What was that Uh, video on? What was the topic? Uh, the topic was the, uh, POF lever gun. That's right. Call it, but it was kind of like a, it's like a space guy, space odyssey. Space yeah. Cowboy, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of the movie. It was some TV show uh, that was on in the early 2000s and then like a movie, but it, it turned out hilarious, man. Yeah, just, I thought it was that, great. That's the kind of stuff that just makes me kind of like, wow, how did this how did this happen, you know? You know, he was a cop for the longest while, too, and it's like, man, yeah. these guys are yeah. way more creative than they have any, like, quote-unquote right to be, right? It's like, where, where did this come from? Who were you yeah. in high school? And I, I suppose I, I, I want to ask you that. Like, who were you in high school, Mike? Were you were you a jock? I know you, you went to the military, got picked up for, you know, SF, and you kind of have to be a certain type of guy to, I guess, be cherry-picked for something like that. But who were you in your own eyes? Um, You know, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, uh, I hung out with everybody. You know, when I was really young, prior to high school, I was a skater and all that stuff. It was it was a very different time, you know, in like the late nineties, like there wasn't all this kind of like division and stuff. So we just, everybody just hung out with everybody and there was never any drama or anything, but you know, I kind of just saw myself as like an average person and uh, my friends, you know, were all into weightlifting and sports and stuff like that. So I kind of followed along with that and I was more into the weightlifting aspect of it and the physique thing. And I actually went on to compete in bodybuilding and stuff. But, uh, you know, I was literally just, you know, I wasn't like a high school football star or nothing like that. I was just kind of an average kid. I was actually, I don't even think I got tall until after I was out. I think I grew like three or four inches once I got in the army. I was only like six foot when I went in and I had You're a kidding. growth spurt super late. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you explain that to the guys who are keeping up with that yeah. stuff? Like, hey, um, Mills, it looks like you're, you're, did you grow? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I came home. I think I had been in a couple years, and I came home. My mom looks up at me again. She's like, "You got taller." I'm like, "Yeah, I did actually." Um, That's what the military does. Like, it's it's, it's something in those shots, man. (laughs) It probably we took a lot of shots, dude. We took a lot of, yeah, a lot of experimental shots went into us. Right, right. What are you going to say? No, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) that's not generally how it works. And uh, man, until recently, and then a lot of guys did say no, and then. A lot of guys left, which is interesting. So, so, such a, such a, what a time to be alive, right? I do. Yeah, we've seen some weird stuff. Yeah, recently. I mean, obviously, the world's been weird since, you know, since I was born or before then, really. But yeah. it sure has gotten interesting as of late. I want to go into a new segment, and we're going to call this Hot Take Time. Hopefully, one day we'll get some graphics that just go across the screen. Um, yeah. we're, it's going to be a thing. So, What's one hot take that will get you in trouble with gun people, your people? Oh, <laughs> um, oh man, like, like saying something. Any yeah, political. yeah, like, uh, like, pro- preferably like in the topic of like guns. Like, oh yeah, high points are great. You know, like something like that will get you in trouble. Like for real. Like, uh, the no, the number one thing is, I believe in the Second Amendment, but. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the for me, that is the biggest thing that would get me in trouble. Um, one, and it's a stupid thing to say. It's a, that's like saying, oh, I believe in the 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 right not to torture people. But you know, yeah. I believe in the Eighth Amendment, but you know, unlawful imprisonment. But you know. right. so you kind of turn that back around to people and sometimes they're like, Oh, okay, I get it. But that, for me, that's the number one thing when I hear that, I just cringe. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that is ultra cringe worthy. What's something that you personally believe that would get you kind of people, people are going to look at you sideways when they hear this. Uh, (laughs) Um, so my audience would love this, but when I try to explain this, like even my friends, like they're outside of the gun world, especially when I explain this to other cops is the second amendment is 100% absolute. Absolute. Yeah. If you want to change that, there is a process. It's called an amendment and good luck getting one. It hasn't happened in what a hundred years almost or something. Mm-hmm. There's still amendments that have been, they're still waiting because you can't get two thirds vote on them and stuff. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's something that when I say that I have, especially, you know, non-gun people, they look at me just in shock. Like, what, you speak people should just be able to own nukes or whatever? I'm all... They're, they'll explain to me the difference in what the Second Amendment says. Now, if you want to change that, there's a process for that. So until you change that, the Second Amendment's absolute. Yeah, the the nukes question is always really interesting because there was a guy who That's debated... the first place they go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, when Colian uh, Noir and some, some guy who is a gun owner... Yeah. Um, I love I love that. I'm a gun owner, and I think you should not have a gun. Oh, okay. So I'm a, rules, I'm a hunter too. Got you. Got okay, Mister Shotgun Hunter. Go, go. What are you doing? God, you're making us look bad. Um, but yeah. he was like, "Well, you can't you can't have a tank." And then Collins Collins was like, "You can't. Yes, have you can. You you can't have a tank. You and can have shoot, a tank. You can, you can own a lot. You can own. You can buy anything you want. It's just you have to ask permission." Right. And pay that pound of flesh to the federal government or the ATF, which shouldn't mm-hmm. exist. Right. Um, and then you get to own whatever you want if you pay your pound of flesh. 
I'll tell you what, there's there's one guy running for politics right now, and I've not heard anything about him until like two days ago. I actually know a guy who's running his campaign. Vivek Ramaswamy, am I saying it right? Oh, you have been, yeah, Vivek Ramaswamy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really haven't been following him until more recently. And he said something about getting rid of all these superfluous departments of the government that are really just like enforcement agencies that are not actually law enforcement agencies, um, administrative agencies. Like, are, is the ATF an administrative agency? Can they be put away? Is is this guy saying he's going to abolish the ATF? Do we need to get on board with this? <laughs> so basically, yeah. So I mean, he's he's not going to win. I mean, I think yeah, he's got some good ideas, but. Most people don't realize that federal law enforcement agencies are a bastardization of the Commerce Clause, mm. right? They're constitutionally not supposed to exist, right? The federal government's not supposed to do things like that, just like they weren't supposed to have an income tax, right? Um, so the government, Congress, has ceded their authority illegally to institutions like the ATF to make up rules, which is what they call them, which are de facto laws they'll put you in prison for. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, there is a process for that. It's called an amendment to the constitution. Um, and this is, I mean, I've had that very discussion with federal prosecutors. Like how mm -hmm. are these agencies even existing? They're like, well, it's through the commerce clause, interstate commerce. That's how you can have technically, uh, these regulatory bodies, but they're not supposed to be able to make law. And that's. That's what the Supreme Court has said with the recent rulings on the EPA and things like that. So hopefully mm -hmm. they'll all be stripped of their authority very soon. Um, and whether they abolish it or not. Which will piss a lot not, of people off because you know, men love will. power. Men love yeah. power. Yeah, the government's too big. It was never meant to be this big. And that's yeah. why the founding fathers never wanted an income tax because they knew that a government that could take your money and use it against you would inevitably grow uncontrollable and take away their citizens' rights, which is what they've done for the past hundred years. Yeah, we got it. We got a guy in the uh, in the comment section. Actually, uh, the show and ammo sponsor, Obsidian Tactics, said Mike's out here preaching. Hashtag belt feds for home defense. Um, yeah, Love why me not? Belt fed. Why not? Why not? Well, until, Are you responsible? until 1986. Until 1986, right? Yep, yep. He actually has a quote out there that says, um, and I don't know if this is an original quote. He has to tell me. But pretty much that guns really haven't changed. At some point, we have to reckon with the idea that you could, at one point, literally mail order a machine gun to your home. And yes. we don't have that anymore, yet we have so much more just wanton violence and people choosing to harm other humans, whether it was with guns or not. That's not the quote. Like, go check out his page if you want the quote, whoever's yeah. listening who wants to see that. Um, at Obsidian Tactics on Instagram. But man, let's, man, there's a bunch of people asking about your car collection. So we're gonna get to that yeah. right before we- And I don't, ha I don't have a time limit today too. I already posted my video, so we're good. Oh, sick, excellent. So, you know, if there's you know, a few more minutes that we need to take, I guess we'll, we'll take that. Um, yeah. Ooh, here we go. What's one hot take about society and culture that will get you in trouble with the internet? Oh man, um, Jesus! It seems to be you can't say any single word right now, especially if it has to come down to race relations or something. Oh yeah, which it's, is it's the rough. craziest thing in the world because here I am, a white guest on a black guy's channel, right? Like, yeah. 
But um, anything that has to do with that seems to be a firebomb, um, which is crazy because, um, you know, at least the way I see the world and the way I do things, like, I just... I just judge people on who they are and what their actions are. Like, I don't, I don't care if you're purple. I mean, I've been in the military and in law enforcement with people who were black, white, gay, straight. I'm sure there were people that were trans that were in there, whatever. But it seems to be that you talk about any little sect that's divided themselves right now away from the just being an American, right? Um, that it just turns into a firebomb situation. So I, I always steer away from that stuff just because... You know, the Second Amendment for me is for everybody, even right. the people you politically disagree with, right? So that, that is... Michael Jordan said it best. You don't think Republicans buy shoes too? <laughs> right. That's right. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this because there have been some guys, some of your, our colleagues, I'll say are, um, who they get weird when it comes to quote-unquote socialist trying to get into the gun space and... I, I, I kind of get the idea that you don't have to train with people you don't want to train with, but 100%. you get to a certain point on the internet and you're like, you know, F those commies and this and this and that. And it's almost like if given the opportunity, they would do harm to that group of people for the heck of it. Um, and I'm not trying to put intent on people and say that they saying something, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but it's, we're, we're in a weird place where it's like, okay, these person, these people, that group, they've divided themselves from us. They think that we're weird. And because we have some sort of ideological divide, we can't seem to get along. Like I had arm your friends on with us and they have been labeled um, back when they were still much up, more operational, like a leftist group. And they have some leftist ideologies, but they're not mm -hmm. a leftist group. They're just ultra inclusive. Like they have trans people in their training club and it's like, oh, okay. Well, I want to hear from yeah. you, but. Well, I think there's probably too many labels to these days. Mm -hmm. um, and the, you get into the psychology of things. Once you label somebody and don't look at other people as human, it's very easy to do bad things. Um, that's been shown throughout history. So there's, there's a lot of labels and a lot of different things like that. And I don't care what your beliefs are. I don't care what you do in the comfort of your own home. And, you know, as long as there's, as you know, your beliefs are your beliefs. Now, if you have, if you act upon certain things, then there's going to be a problem, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you can believe that, you know, aliens are in your attic and, you know, the sky is purple and whatever you want and still do whatever you want as long as you're doing it without harming somebody else. So who cares, you know? Right. I've, I've heard this statement from people who are on the left or and from the right, and I find it interesting and true, and it's, it's kind of weird, and I, I kind of want to get your take on it. People will show a lack of education and or show that they're kind of an idiot. Like, if you really break it down, like, this person's kind of an, an, an idiot, like, in the true sense of the term. And... Um, the commentary will be, remember, this person has, their vote counts the same as yours. I'm like, uh, what's, what do you mean by that? Well, how, how, how do you take that when you hear it? And do you, does that mean anything to you? I mean, or do you find that there's a lot of truth in that statement? 
Um, well, I mean, there is truth in it. Their vote is going to count exactly the same right. as yours, right? Um, and for me, a lot of it really comes down to, you know, we've got all this societal decay going on. Like you brought up, yeah. we used to be able to get machine guns shipped to your house. Now you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all these different forms of violence. But when you really look at the statistics, we're kind of living in the safest time in human history, right? Really. But people compare it to a different thing. But when you look statistically wise, violence, it's not like, you know, the crack wars of the seventies and the eighties and different things going on and the homicide rates that we've seen before in this country. The problem is, is most people will either self-identify or be labeled as something, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, and then just refuse to have it even a, a normal conversation with somebody because I mean, look at the state of politics and the news. They want that big. They want that that quick hashtag hit or something. So that breakdown in communication or the ability to see your, you know, maybe political rival as still a human that just has different ideas, I think leads to a lot of that. Um, I mean, it's even in people's own homes. I mean, they're like people over the past couple of years, you've seen the stories like getting divorced over, you know, politics or you know, who they voted for, which is just blows my mind, right? That's like, just how could your life baloney. be that shallow? Right. You getting a divorce because he voted for some congressman? What? Yeah. Yeah. Like I've seen those stories. I'm like, oh my God. Jeez. Oh my goodness. That is that is insane. Um and Burnt Nugget said this. He said there's truth to that statement and that is why it's important to show up if you're and vote if you're level headed. And, you know, the other side always believes that the other side is insane. Um, so whether you're on the left yeah. or the right or somewhere in between, because I, I don't personally identify yeah. as either or. I don't think that's productive or helpful for me in my life. But I do have a certain set of values that if you yeah. align with these values, I will give you a look. Period. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And that, that's where I am. And I, I don't say that anybody else, whether Mike or anybody else has to follow that. And I appreciate that you can, you can agree with that. Um, but I, I do want to talk to you about something that's not, not a hot take, but I want you to think about what's one thing that you kind of wish you could talk about more, but you don't feel like your platform, you know, whether it's the, the, the Instagram or, or, the YouTube tactical considerations page. You don't really feel like that's the place where you can really kind of dive into it or do more than just a mention. Like what's, is there a topic or like a subject that you're just like, I, I wish I could talk about this, but I really just can't hear. Um, you know, actually one of the things I've given a lot of thought to is just kind of talking about like how to be a good person. Cause I think a lot of people have forgotten that, like whether it's opening a door for somebody at a store or something. And, um, it's kind of crazy. Like if you go out and you just do one nice thing for somebody one day, like how much it will change somebody's perspective. Um, you know, and this is a weird thing that you know, I learned a very long time ago in law enforcement. I, I had an interaction with somebody and it could have went very bad, but based on the way that we discussed it and how it was handled, um, the conversation we had afterwards was, was vastly different than it could have turned out. And, that really rung in my head. And then I can't remember who I was talking to, but we were talking about, you know, these big things that change people's lives, right. Or change the world or whatever. And you may not do that, but you may have an interaction with somebody that will change the course of their life or their day. And we have such little care for our fellow citizens. These days, everybody's buried in their phone. 
bumping into each other on the street, quick to have a road rage, quick to honk the horn, quick to call somebody a name, not knowing what the circumstances or maybe why they're driving fast or maybe they didn't see when they cut you off. And I think the lack of maybe humility, the lack of empathy and the lack of like an emotional kindness has put us all in a really bad place in this country. And if I could get into more of that, I would like it, but it's kind of not what my audience is there for. Right. And that's, yeah. that is the, I'm not going to say the trouble cause it's, it's a gift. What we have, if you have a hundred people watching a video or a hundred thousand people watching a video or, or a million, right? It's a gift yeah. to be able to speak into the homes of that many yeah. people. You know, they're coming yeah. to you. Maybe they don't know why Maybe they just clicked the video cause it looked cool. But there's a lot of people who, who clicked on the video cause your name popped up on their feed. They're like, Oh, Mike yeah. made a video click like just like that. And that's tremendous power. Um, people don't, get that and I, I try to be very humble whether the video does well or not like and just understanding that and I'm, I'm sure you're the same way and so it it is a gift but it's also kind of frustrating where it's like man if you wanted to pivot your whole channel overnight you would lose yeah. a lot of first of all YouTube momentum because YouTube is set up in a certain way where it the suggestion engine you know favors what you've been doing and yes. making sure that your audience can be fed the videos that they are accustomed to and that they will click on. If they will click, they will get to serve that video. That's just the way it works. But yeah. on the other side, if Mike said, Hey, you know what? I'm seeing some stuff and it says like, Hey, um, maybe you had like a, a, um, a friend or family member who is going through a medical time that's serious. And he's like, man, I, I wish they would have, eating better like they were eating terribly and I think and if you want to like I'm going to go on a, t a campaign just talking about eating healthy like you could you can't do that your channel will die like yeah. tonight you can find ways to sneak certain things into videos mm -hmm. that's like I've talked about my range kit a few times and how I always bring extra iPro and ear pro because I've been out on the range where literally a father and son drove up and he was taking his son shooting for the first time and left his ear and eye pro at home Right. So are you going to let Damn. that man sit out there and ruin his and his, his son's day? Or are you going to hand him some ear pro and be like, you know what? Those are my throwdowns. Keep them. I'm taking off, you know, hope yeah. you guys have a great day, which is what I did. But, you know, and I, you talk about some things like that and you can put those little, little tidbits on there. But yeah, if you were trying to pivot a channel, especially when it's the size that it already is, you know, if you've got tens of thousands of subscribers and you just 180, yeah, it's, it's going to be a hard, hard day. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, what they say, like steering an ocean liner. Like you, you're not going to just, yeah. just it, yep. it's not, it's not a Prius. The turn radius is not the best. So yeah. I, I can definitely appreciate that. And I, I hope that people hear this conversation and understand that like, Hey, Mike is a whole lot deeper than the do bro gun stuff. And, uh, maybe have a, just a little bit a deeper appreciation for their own, for their own self. Cause I tell myself, I'm literally sitting on the couch and I'm telling my wife, you like, Hey, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't know if people realize I'm just a guy. Like I'm as normal as they come. Like I'm just, I'm sitting here on the couch with my, with my girls, just hanging out, you know, wiping spit up or vomit off the floor or cleaning up pee or whatever, you know, like I do normal stuff and not that people, act like I'm so much different, but just the reality is guys like yourself. Yeah. Maybe because you've made it to a certain point, you get to have a little bit more freedom in your life and choosing what you want to do next. Just a little bit. Yeah. 
but we are still like just normal people in the sense that we want to see the world get a little bit better or maybe we have we're passionate about a certain thing and we get excited about a certain thing or maybe something makes us sad you know it's possible um yeah for sure i don't get sad often you know just I mean, sometimes yeah is, is it, is it uh, someone cutting onions <laughs> but um, we all get emotional yeah exactly um and i guess since we're on the topic of video creation and channels and stuff like that What's one piece of advice if there is a young content creator in the audience or maybe even myself, I'll take it. Uh, one piece of advice that you would give, or maybe there's multiple pieces that you would want to give to that content creator to get started, whether it's a gun to or something else. Um, buy the best audio and video equipment you can and just start recording, make a plan, make a script and start recording all of our videos sucked when we began um none of us were professionals they get better with time and then continue to upgrade your audio and visual and lighting because that will make such a big difference and a lot of people try to do things on the cheap which can be done but the best equipment that you can afford rely that uh, realistically and then plan your plan your script out plan your video out methodically and then hit that record button and don't be afraid to make mistakes i've screwed up so many things um and that petrifies some people but it's like i put those those messed up reloads and videos because one it just makes me laugh and i mean nobody's a machine the best shooters in the world aren't 100 percent of reloads or shooting or anything so don't be afraid to make mistakes either you know that's that's probably if i would have heard that when i first started of get the best equipment you can and then as soon as you start making money upgrade your equipment to an extent, you'll level up, level up, level up, and then there's a point where you just don't need to, you don't need to spend any more money. But it's not cheap either. Like you can do it on a cell phone these days, but you know, three five years ago that wasn't the case. Um, but that's those are the best things I would say to somebody. You know, and don't be fake. We can tell. I mean, <laughs> and can tell when you're faking it. You know? Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's fantastic advice. Thank you for sharing that with uh, with even. You know, myself in the audience, I'll, I'll take it. Shoot. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting that you said what you said about recording on a cell phone, because I know Jonathan from Tactical Toolbox. Yep. Really cool guy. If you guys aren't following him, like he does some, yeah. his videos are a little bit different because he's talking about, I guess, building platforms that maybe aren't super conventional, oftentimes anyways. And if you're at all a tinkerer, I think you'll really enjoy what he does. But yeah. I know when he first got started, he was working on, uh, was it one of the iPhones? And, you know, as he started making money, he upgraded. And at the time, I think that was okay. Um, but it, I found that if you do want to stand out and be presentable for whether it's a brand or, or even be able to stand up and make content that somebody won't hate right after watching, you know, Mike's video, you, you kind of have to get some decent stuff. Like if your video has got just pure grainy, terrible ISO, yeah. horrible lighting. Like people are going to look at it and be like, man, what's, what's going on? <laughs> like, what, what am I looking at? I can't see, you know, like it's going to be hard. Yeah. But you'll also be surprised on how willing the audience is to give people a chance though, too. And yeah. then they want to see that progression. That's like, you know, I, I think personally by human nature, we want to see other people succeed in things. I mean, I know I do. Um, and I had so much help from Jonathan, from, you know, Johnny B. Um, there's a lot of guys that really helped me out 
you know, when I was really new. Mm-hmm. And then I had some friends that were professional photographers and videographers that helped me out as well. And, yeah. um, you know, that made all the difference, but you know, you can start on a phone. I did it too. My first several videos were filmed on a Samsung S eight or something like that. Like an oldie. Oof, the S eight. So, I had an S eight. Yeah. I think, yeah where like, did I start on? I think I started on an S seven. Yeah. yeah. That was like my first like real big boy cell phone. Yeah. I, yeah. Before that I had like a windows phone or something crazy. Like, cause I'm, Oh I yeah, yeah. To be different. I mean, I'm different. I, I, I'm hipster yeah. or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Um, man. So I've found that there's like a ton of questions in here for you. There's at least like eight or nine really good ones that I'm just like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta make sure you get at least yeah. some of these. But before we do that, we do need to just take a moment and thank Obsidian Tactics for uh, really being, being that company that I can rely on for all my gear, whether it's, you know, shot timers to ammo to things that I can't talk about selling on Instagram. So go to obsidiantactics.com and make sure that you use the code armed Atlas because you'll get free shipping. If you ever bought anything from anywhere on the internet, other than Amazon, you realize that shipping costs a lot of money, sometimes like 10, 12 bucks to ship something that's small, like this piece of camera equipment. So, Go over to obsidiantactics.com, check them out. And um, at this moment, we're actually going to allow you guys to enter for the free ammo giveaway. If you guys are live with us right now or watching the replay before this thing actually shuts off, make sure that you enter the code free into the chat. So all you have to do is go into the chat and type the word free. And we'll go ahead and collect that data and announce it next time we do a live show, which won't be next week. It'll be the week after that with um, an organization that talks about children and being safe with firearms. So make sure you're here for that one where we announce the giveaway. If you're not there, how will we know that you, how will you know you won? So make sure that you're there Um, and go ahead and type the word free into the chat. And then we'll go from there and uh, make sure you win. If you are on the podcast side, there is a way for you to enter you can actually go ahead and share um, share the show with somebody, whether it's in the group chat or your Instagram or your Facebook, or can you share it on TikTok? I don't, I don't know. And go ahead and just type, um, send me an email at um, info at costlymedia.com. I'll go ahead and put that in the show description so you can see that info at costlymedia.com. Just send me a screenshot. Let me know what you did. And uh, we'll make sure you have a chance to win as well if you're on the podcast side. Hey, so let's go ahead and get back to the show and uh, go from there, Mike. So there are a ton of questions here for you, and I'm, I'm really hoping we can get through at least a few of them before we kind of hit the, the regular time for the show. And if we got to go over a few minutes, I hear that's OK. Your, your, uh, your manager said it's cool. So, <laughs> um, so DJ Play Nice, who is awesome running as a moderator for us today, um, said, what is the weakest part of the firearms industry slash strongest part? And I guess you can kind of an open-ended question. Uh, the weakest part is marketing. Um, um, they do not get, not do great at marketing as a whole. Um, the strongest part of the firearms industry are its end users because we drive them and beg them and yell at them to give us more and better. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I would agree. Definitely. 
because the the end user base is so diverse and it's guys who literally never shoot yeah. the gun they just like the way it looks and then there's guys who will run it into the mud and say like hey you know what the gun would be so much better if we could actually just try to get an optics platform that was more universal and so we have springfield in their echelon that just came out which has an optics platform that actually seems to be working at this point seems to be working and i'm sure there's going to be somebody who complains that it didn't work for them but so far so good from what I'm seeing, I, I don't know how, if you've experienced that particular um, uh, modularity in their platform. Have you tried one optic or more than one on their gun yet? Yeah, I've got it. Um, I've had it for a while. Um, I'm waiting until I get another. I'm waiting until I have a thousand rounds through it to do my initial video because it's a new offering. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it basically took all of the little things we wanted from other names and jammed it into one pistol. I mean it pretty good yeah I, that's I all i'm gonna say before the video but it's pretty good yeah 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 well guys if you are interested in hearing mike's thoughts on the springfield echelon he's not doing like what a lot of these guys tend to do and run three four hundred rounds through the gun and then say it's good he's taking it through the thousand rounds and uh definitely go ahead and check it out so uh there's another question what is your round count to determine if something's ready for everyday carry I suppose for your personal guns, how many rounds are you putting through it before you're like, okay, this is, this is good. It really depends on the gun. Um, and, and what the history of it is. If it's, um, a brand new gun fresh on the market, I might want to get a thousand rounds through it just to see if there's any hiccups at all. If it's, you know, a Glock a you know, a Smith and Wesson or one of those brands that I know and trust, I might go out and run 50 or hundred rounds and be completely happy with it. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience with manufacturing, whether it's on the automotive side or weapon side, usually if something's going to fail because of a problem, it's either going to fail right up front, like almost immediately or deep into the cycle of operation. Um, and I think that's pretty well proven in the firearms industry now, but it really just depends on the brand, you know, and if it's a brand new offering, because anytime you offer a new pistol, there's going to be problems. There's going to be things to iron out. It's like a brand new car. You know, you get that first year car, how many tech TSBs, technical service bolts or recalls are there? It's the same mm. thing. It's a manufactured product. Yeah. So I was just thinking, um, James from TFB TV, he was also at GunCon. So if you guys aren't at yeah. GunCon next year, I'm going to be very disappointed. It was a great event. There's a lot of cool people there. there. I mean, I'll, I'll be there unless something crazy happens and I just can't be there. But uh, Mike, Mike said he'll be there. And if you guys want to go dressed up as Mike, that would be hilarious. Just cosplay as tactical considerations. <laughs> so um, James, he said, or he was he was talking to the president or one of the one of the guys who works for Beretta, um, yeah. and he was saying that they tested their gun. I forget exactly which one it is. I think it's the one with the rotating barrel, and it's got. He said their their standard for performance on that gun was like forty thousand rounds without parts breakage, or something like that. And I'm just like, golly, that's that's a lot of rounds <laughs> before expecting yeah. something to fail. A CZ could never pass that. At least some of their fancier <laughs> offerings, yeah. where it's like six thousand rounds and the trigger's gonna break on you. I'm like, oh wow, that's terrible. Are there are there guns that you've run that you expected to? just do really, really well because, you know, came from a Glock or something like that or, or a high-end manufacturer and you, 
got a couple thousand rounds in or maybe like didn't even quite make it to a thousand rounds and you're like, wow, this, uh, this extractor is just completely done or something like that. Um, out of ones that I expected to do really well, mm-hmm. um, I've never, I've not had like the mechanical complete failure. Where I was like, oh my God, this is catastrophic. Mm-hmm. But I've had ones where I expected more or I expected like, I don't know, maybe if it was the hype or maybe I watched other people's reviews and I thought that they were going to be like better than they were. And I was really disappointed in yeah. how it turned out. Yeah. Um, but isn't, isn't that the hard part about like the marketing hype that we can sometimes be accidentally a part of where it's like, Hey, I'm trying out this gun. I'm trying to make this an exciting video. And in the attempt to let you know that this is an interesting gun, I kind of over, oversold a thing that I'm not even paid to sell you or maybe they are. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've had ones where I was kind of like, you know, like meh about them, or I'm gonna try this, and that actually was the Walther PDP. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna try that. It's a new gun, and flat out is my favorite strike fired handgun. Didn't <laughs> expect it, and that's after the first one I went to pick up at the shop. It had to be sent back to the factory. Right, didn't even make it out the store. That's horrible. That and is... then it turned out that I was just like, once I started running it, I was like. It just fit, in a, and I was like, "This is the one." Like that's it. It's gonna in, in the striker, the mm-hmm. poly market, right? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's, there's actually still a few more questions. So let me make sure that we can get through them. One of them was, "How do you go about talking of you know about firearms with uh, coworkers?" Or I guess maybe maybe it's not like a coworker, but maybe like family, friends, people in your community that aren't like gun gun people. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't tiptoe around it at all, period. Um, I've I don't really kind of hold back when I'm talking about something. In fact, my friends have always said, you know, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Mm. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna be like, you know, arrogant or be an a hole about it. But I'm I will just be very factual and very upfront and based on training experience, history, you know, all that stuff. And and that is it. Now, if you don't like that, that's that's on you. Um, but I'm not going to, sh- I don't sugarcoat things, you know, when it comes to talking about guns or, uh, right. <laughs> you, you're going to get a full dose of what it should be from me. That's right. Fair enough. And I think it's weird because our, our culture wants us to be like agreeable and let's not get into fights. And I'm, I can tend to be that way myself. I try to be diplomatic, yeah. but at some point you do have to just kind of let people know what you are, are not going to tolerate in a conversation or, um, giving people information unedited so that they can make a decision for themselves. And that might be more helpful than being like, well, it sounds like you're not ready for this conversation about guns, but you have a lot of opinions and you're sharing it openly. So I'm just not going to talk to you, which if it's going to get crazy, maybe, maybe you don't. And it's all about delivery too, how you deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody wants to know about your hot rod situation. He said, okay, hold up a few moments about those hot rods. What you got? Are you at liberty to share? What do you like working on? Yeah, so right now, the ones I have left, I mean, I've probably owned like 45 different cars. Oh. So man. the ones I have left right now are my 78 C10, which is slammed and getting ready to do an LS swap on that, even though it's already been completely rebuilt. Uh, next up is a 56 Studebaker short bed um one owner car and then i've had 
tons and tons and tons of stuff. Me, I grew up building hot rods with my father. So yeah, okay, um, that makes sense. I'm I'm a huge fan of anything uh, car wise. You know, '69 and down trucks, '87 and down. It comes to the Chevys, but I'm a big bow tie fan of Chevy stuff. But you get into the '50s and '60s and even the '40s and the '30s. You know, those are pretty pretty hard to mess a car up back then. You know, they're all pretty cool. Uh, and then I love I love modern stuff too, but you just can't work on modern stuff. You know, it's one yeah. of these hands don't fit anywhere to work on the new modern cars. But uh, it's it's just not the same as building big old V eight or you know supercharged or turbocharged motors. And so that's what I got now. Um, and we've had the Chevelles, the GTOs, Corvettes. You know, the fifties and sixties Corvettes. We've had all that stuff. So nice. Wow. I guess yeah. that's why you and Jonathan from uh, Tactical Toolbox get along, because he's also kind of a gearhead. Oh, he, lo- yeah, he loves it, yeah. His little yeah. Honda Civic is insane, dude. I think yeah. that thing is at like 550 wheel horsepower an hour or something. Jeez. <laughs> How is that? Yeah. Can't, that can't be straight legal, right? <laughs> Just playing. <laughs> Debatable. Yeah. I mean, who's asking? You a cop? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who's asking? I ain't asking. <laughs> right. So he was basically asking what you like working on, um, but why do you think so many gun guys are also car nerds. Um, you know, there's a lot of crossover there mechanical wise. Yeah. But, you know, there's, I think a lot of people that grew up working on cars and building hot rods grew up in a very specific kind of household, you know, um, maybe a little bit more constitutionalist kind of thing, maybe a little bit more, you know, rule, you know, and that, that makes a difference, you know, city and rule makes a huge difference on where your gun rights fall or that idea of gun rights fall. Um, you know, look at your major cities where they're like, Oh my God, you know, whereas in a rural environment, you know, cops 30 minutes away, you take care of yourself, you know, man. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And people really forget that. And, and I think we talked about this last show, but in, even in the city, like if you're in a situation where there's just like something crazy going on, whether it's some sort of weather emergency or, I mean, there, I've been in places like um, more, I would say urban Virginia, where because it's like a snowstorm and they're just not prepared for that kind of ice, you know, guess what? If something bad happened, if you're on the side of the road, they're, they probably can't get to you for a while and maybe, maybe they might not come for you for a long time actually. Yeah. So imagine society has so, become far too reliant on government agencies for help. Right. Like you, you want men with guns to come deal with the man who has a gun. <laughs> like, come on, like you got to handle that yourself. And then, but you're also anti-gun. So you don't want men with guns, but yet yeah. you want men with, gotcha. Schizophrenia is real. <laughs> I'm confused. It's like, show me that yeah. meme with the lady with the, with the numbers popping up on screen. Where is that even from? Yeah. I get the reference. Oh my gosh, yeah. bro. It's, it's insane. So somebody said no CZ slander. Come on, man. Um, it is what it is. <laughs> CZ does it to themselves, at least with those particular units. What, what are those? The 75s? I can't, I can't remember. Um, yeah. and Ooh, this is, this is a question we're going to actually, we'll, we'll start with this one. Uh, what new guns are coming out that you're excited to test? Anything that's not under NDA, obviously. Uh, the, well, the echelon, which I have the Oracle arms, 2311. Um, that's a pretty exciting little platform. You, um, you got one yet or 
No, I don't have it. Did you shoot it at GunCon? So it's I basically did. a 2011 yeah. based on SIG P320 parts. Um, there is a... I'm under NDA with a couple companies right now, but there are some very cool rifle designs that um, a company is working on right now, both a bolt action and then a intermediate gas system. Uh, there's some swappable barrel stuff, like in the field, changeable barrel stuff that's going on with a couple companies. Um, Pistol-wise, you know, I think that 2311 is probably the the thing I'm most interested in right cool, now. Coolest gun of 2023. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it hits the street and runs, that's all that matters. Right. Because it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know that very first batch at Shot Show, there were some questions about the build yeah. quality and stuff like that. And then when I when I ran it, I had no problems. Um, yeah. Although the ejection pattern was a little shallow, but yeah. yeah. Well, that the ones at Shot Show were all three D printed parts in there. They had to oh, finalize really? everything because I, I I know the guy that makes the guns. I've had a relationship with him before Oracle Arms existed. So I knew about that four-ish years ago when yeah. that project started because it started out as something very different and molded into that. I wonder why they didn't go with Glock mags. Are you able to, do you know anything about that? Um, I, I didn't actually ask that yeah. specific question. Um, yeah. So I, I plan on asking that whenever I get a chance to talk with them again. Because um, we, we did a video on that. It did pretty well. And I'm hoping, and I don't know if I'll put it on this channel or the main Armed Atlas channel, but to get one of the guys, whether it's Nate or somebody who works in yeah. marketing, to come on and just kind of help kind of sort through some of the best questions and get information on the street for those who want it, you know, for the gun geeks yeah. out there, the nerds. Um, but, ooh, that, that's, a, that's a good question that just came in. Um, let's, let's ask this. What are your thoughts on modern masculinity, egos, or egos and stoicism? Uh, more or less, what's, what's your, what, how, how are you feeling about the, the modern man and masculinity, the standards that we have for ourselves and that we don't follow? Uh, well, the, the testosterone level has been crashing. You know, your Just average 21-year-old's got the testosterone level of a 70-year-old man. Um, people confuse masculinity with being an a-hole, Right. Um, to me, masculinity is doing what exactly men are supposed to do, you know, take care of people, fight for what's right, protect your family, protect your community, take care of your family, take care of your loved ones, take care of your wife, your girlfriend, whatever, and um, setting an example of being a good person. And I think a lot of that has been torched, whether it's social media or movies or all this propaganda that they're pumping into kids cartoons now and stuff um and i think it puts you know a societal structure in a very bad place and that's not to say that women aren't very capable to do a lot of things that men can do but genetically we're different I and mean, we just flat out are and you know it's like the old saying goes to though is you find me the strongest man in the world and i'll show you a very strong woman behind that man um you know so it seems to be that certain people or certain ideologies want to mesh and mold masculinity with something that's not supposed to be or shouldn't be. And I think that puts us as a country and as a, you know, species in a very bad place, very bad place. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you're onto something, uh, especially when you just, 
do what you're supposed to do. You know, be, be the person yeah. you say you're going to be. And you don't have to be just a cruel person in order to express your, your masculinity. Like that's just not cool or, and or acceptable. So let's, let's hit these last two questions and we're going to bug out of here. I think, I think we've covered so much ground that we could probably write a book on everything you said, really. <laughs> and I just want to say thanks for coming on, man. This has been great. Yeah, last two questions time, and we'll, we'll bug out. Um, and we'll, let's just add this to your show. Any plans on extending content such as lasers hunting bushcraft, or do you think you found your sweet spot in making content? So I've kind of kicked back and forth doing some videos on, you know, different training and kind of tactic style things, but that's really kind of not what my channel was built on. So you almost have to do that on a different channel or do it on somebody else's channel. Um, plus I've been out of the military to the point where, um, other people that are out there are so much more versed and up to speed because the longer the time frame is since you've been operational, the less relevant you are. And that's why even in the special ops community, when dudes get out, no matter whether they're Delta seals, Ranger recon range or whatever, you've got like a lifespan, right? From, because things change so fast, tactically weapon systems, things like that, that, um, I don't think that's really my place anymore to teach things like that. Um, and I kind of, I stopped teaching period probably about two and a half, three years ago, firearms, I, defensive tactics. I used to teach all kinds of stuff. I, I don't do any of it anymore just because there's so many people that are so much more up to speed and relevant with better experiences that are more recent, you know, and that's just kind of how I kind of view it. Now I want to go to other people's classes. <laughs> no, that, that, that's a good point. And I suppose how, how do we do a better job of just me asking of pointing people towards great training resources. Cause unless you're literally like Haley strategic, like you're not getting the kind of love that you probably should for the, for a lot of those guys who are just doing a fantastic job of, of teaching, um, whether it's big or small, cause there's, there's a lot of guys yeah. who are doing a good job. Like we, I, I don't know if they, yeah. if there's an answer for that, but I think we, we got to do a little bit better about directing people towards great training resources because I, I can't train like that. I mean, yeah. you could, but you're not in the loop as much as those other guys are. Yeah. And that was a goal of mine. So I had started a series of videos like that. And I actually went out to California and trained with Mike Levy from knockout lights. And oh, my whole goal great. was to go around the U S and go to classes of dudes that I think would be very good to push to other people. Uh, because just cause you're in the military law enforcement, doesn't mean you're going to be a good instructor. And just because you didn't do any of those doesn't mean you are not going to be a good instructor when it comes to something. Um, competitive shooters could probably teach us dudes in the tactical world how to shoot faster, better, more accurately, you know, whereas we could teach them like, Hey, this is how you go around a corner and not get shot, <laughs> you know? Um, but that kind of fell off because of the whole, you know, past two years of everything being shut down. And I've kind of debated whether I want to pick that back up and go train with different people again, and then make videos on that training school. Um, to get that out there because people all around the United States want good training. They want to know who to go to because there are so many bad instructors out there that just don't have the skill level or shouldn't be teaching period. Um, and, I, and I really want to focus on doing that in the near future um, to help people figure out where to spend their money because it is not cheap to seek out good training. Wow. So that is 
That's a fantastic answer, and I think there's somebody in the comments who was really giving you kudos on the on the answer that you had previously about really understanding your place in this whole thing. Is you, you're making great content, and that's that's great. But should you be initiating some of these classes and trying to teach people, even though it's you're not going to be able to give them exactly what they should, it, you know, for what they're paying for, right? Um, yeah, it's it's a really humble perspective, especially because you know the, the pride in the man would say like, hey, you know. I, I know what I need to know, and I could do a little bit of research and put together a yeah. great class. I could do a great class. I could do it better than you, but you're not doing that. So, yeah, kudos to you. And teaching teaching firearms and pistols and rifles and stuff is easy. It's it's the tactics and the smoothness and that flow that mm -hmm. you get with years of experience and years of working with the same teams. And a lot of those lessons that change tactics were learned in blood, right? Mm -hmm. So now I rely on others to teach me that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I will send people to them. Like you need to go to this guy and learn from this guy or something, you know? Yeah. Um, here's the last question that we got. And as a gun tuber, what innovations would you like to see in the industry? And what do you think would be beneficial rifles, pistols, belt holsters, etc.? Well, innovation, one of those things that we, we never stop asking for. Well, first of all, we got to realize that we are living literally one of the best times when it comes to the oh, yeah. options that we have lights, lasers, optics, scopes, and we have so much right now to be happy for. This thing sitting right behind me, actually that shoulder, that shoulder, uh, is a brand new, brand new system from Blackout. Um, I'll be getting to work on that. <laughs> what I would like to see is, um, I think it would be really cool if a company, and I know a couple of companies are working on this, and there is one that already kind of has something for rifles would be to have a quick, release interchangeable barrel system where you can go from one caliber to the next in you know that one minute two minute time frame and maintain you know an accuracy that's reasonable you know one moa depending on the system or whatever and i know that the modern uh sniper rifle contract that went out there is a system like that where it changes between i think three different barrels and maintains one moa or better accuracy I think in the AR platform, that would be amazing and very cool because now you don't have to have 12 different rifles. You can just have 12 different barrels and quick swap them in a couple different bolts or whatever. Uh, pistol wise, um, uh, that one's a little bit tougher because we just have so much between optics and triggers. I would like to see more companies do what Walter did with the PDP Pro SD where it's the complete package out of the box, performance trigger, magwell, mag extensions, um, you know, the higher sites for the optics already, or even SIG to the extent where the manufacturer is offering all of these customization things from the manufacturer. I think that if other companies would start doing that, I think that's really where the next change for pistols is along with what like Springfield and SIG are doing with the chassis systems where you just take it out and put it in the next frame. Now you go from compact, subcompact, full size, whatever you want. I think that's really where the market's going. At least I hope it is because that's where we all benefit from that innovation and get to save a little bit of money if we want to have different size pistols or rifles. Wow. So people are loving these answers. First of all, you talk people, a lot of grown men talking about how they, they become fans. Good job, Mike. <laughs> Uh, seducing men over here. What's going on, Mike? <laughs> so, birds of a feather flock together. We all like the same stuff, man. Guns, cars, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
straight up. I, I love it. Um, my last question for you, and the, this, this one could take a second, so just kind of brace yourself. How can people find you? Oh, yeah, that's real hard to answer. Everything is at Tactical Considerations. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And my own website is tacticalconsiderations.com. That's where I host all of the build pages, all the videos, all the links, discount codes. All that stuff is right there and readily available for everybody. Um, and that's kind of how I keep my channel going. Same thing with Jonathan. Um, we rely on people to, if they like our content, they can use those links and we get a, you know, a kickback if they want to buy a barrel or a gun or whatever. Uh, we don't just sell anything. So I got to clarify that, but, um, that's pretty much where you can find me all those places. And then, uh, if I'm out on the street, it's kind of funny. Some people have like messaged me that they didn't want to come up and say hi, cause they didn't know me. It's pretty weird to get recognized in public, but I literally have hang out and had lunch with somebody that recognized me from the channel. We were at the restaurant. I was like, Hey man, come over. Let's have lunch. You know? So don't ever afraid to be, don't ever afraid to say hi to us or come up to us in public either and talk. Cause we're all about that. That's the whole reason we're there, man. Thank you for uh, sharing that and letting people know how they can really just get in touch. Um, one of the moderators in the chat just went ahead and dropped your link for those who are really interested. Um, go ahead, hop over there, hit subscribe, and watch a few videos, because if you subscribe and you fail to watch some videos, that sends bad signals to YouTube. So make sure you, you watch one or two or three. You know, help the man out. And of course, if you see something that you really like, you know, be sure to support the people who support Mike and you know make it possible for him to spend a Sunday afternoon with us on this show. And just go buy some. It's not going to hurt you. So, guys, thank you so much. And Mike, thank you very much. Really appreciate you just coming on and spending time being real cool. Yeah, no problem, man. It's a good show. I I know it was a little hard getting me here because of how busy things are, but I'm happy to do it, man. Yeah, well, there, there's been people who made it a little harder, so I appreciate you, man. Yeah. So, guys, thank you so much for for coming out, uh, for watching, listening, wherever you, whatever you're doing. Are you on the podcast side? Are you on the YouTube side? Let me know. Shoot me an email or a DM on the Instagram, uh, Instagram.com forward slash at armed underscore atlas, and just let me know how you enjoy the show. What are you enjoying about it? Do you have a suggestion for maybe a guest who you want to see? You could drop it in the live chat right now before the show ends, or of course, shoot me a DM or uh, better yet, share it in your Instagram stories or make a dedicated post just talking about something that we discussed. Costly Conversations is more than just me and a guest. It's you and people in your life. So keep these conversations going. Make sure you are invested. There's plenty of links everywhere from the Patreon to all the different things. You know, Patreon is Armed Atlas, all, all the things. It really doesn't matter make sure you're part of it. Um, and guys, make sure that uh, you're, you're checking out our guest tactical, tactical consideration. I see some of you have joined uh, the giveaway by typing free into the live chat. We're going to announce that on the next show. So be here for that. And until next time, keep it costly. Yeah.